Well, good morning, everybody. I want to invite you, if you brought a Bible today, to open up those Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 10. If you did not bring a Bible, that's great. That's fine. We're going to have the scriptures behind me on the screen. My name is Matt Carter. I'm the pastor preaching here at the Austin Stone. We are so glad that you've joined us today. God is good. Amen. Amen. Verse to the hymn that we just sang is arguably one of the greatest verses that has ever been written and sung in the history of Christian music, in my opinion. The reason that I say that is there are very few lines in any song that I'm aware of that better articulate the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross than that, uh, than that line, the second verse right there. It says this, my sin Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. That is the gospel in a nutshell. It comes from the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He, he made this statement about the gospel. He said, he, that's, that's the Lord, he made him that's Jesus. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's the gospel. What he's saying is that Jesus came and he lived the life that none of us could live. Scripture says that he knew no sin. He lived the life that none of us could live. The scripture says that he died the death that we should have died. He died the death that we deserved. He died on a cross, and when he did, he paid the penalty for our sin. And then the scripture says that he did that so that we could become the righteousness of God through him, that we could become holy through him, that we could become blameless in the sight of our God through him. And so now, because of the cross, when God looks at us in Christ Jesus, he does no longer see our sin, but he sees the blood of Jesus. That's the gospel. But today, I want you to think about something. On this Easter Sunday morning, we are not just here to celebrate the truth and the reality that yes, Jesus died on a Roman cross. And we're not just here to celebrate the truth that Jesus not only died, but they put him into the grave, but we're here to celebrate the truth and the reality that three days later, Jesus conquered death and came walking out of that grave. That's why we're here. But here's the thing that we're gonna talk about this morning, is I don't want to simply come into this place and celebrate the truth of the resurrection. That's all, that's not all that, uh, that we need to accomplish today. My hope and my prayer for you is that as we come here, not only would we celebrate that truth, but that we would answer a question in our own hearts and in our lives. Because it seems to me that if this is true, if this is true that Jesus didn't just die like everybody else dies, but that he actually walked out of the grave. If that's true, that Jesus actually rose from the dead, then it seems to me that that truth requires more from us than simply a celebration. And so the question that I hope that we answer today is, how do we respond to the truth of the resurrection? 
How do we as people not only celebrate that truth, but how are we called to respond to the truth of the resurrection? And let's read this together. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And Paul is speaking here to the church. And he makes a statement about how we are to respond to the truth of the resurrection. In verse 9 he says, Because if you confess with your mouth, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then he goes on in verse 10, he says this, he says, for with the heart one believes and is justified. That word justified means to be made righteous in the sight of God. We just talked about that. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Now church, here's the thing. Here's what Paul just said in these verses about how you and I are to respond to the reality of the resurrection. And here it is, and I want you to listen carefully to this. That the scripture is, is saying this, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not simply a doctrine that is to be believed, but it is a reality that is to be lived out in our lives. It's what the scripture says, that the resurrection of Jesus is not simply a doctrine that we're to believe, but it is a truth and a reality that is to be lived out and displayed with our mouths and with our lives. And church, that is a critical distinction in answering the question how you and how I are to respond to the greatest truth in history, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because this is, this is the fact here. The fact is this, that you can absolutely believe and the resurrection of Jesus, but never let the reality of the resurrection be displayed in your life. And answering, or rather, in what this verse is saying, and it's a hard statement, but that one of the evidences of your salvation, one of the evidences that Christ is changing you and bringing about salvation in your life is not simply that you confess, or rather that you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but that you confess it with your mouth and with your life. Now you might be saying, Matt, how is that even possible not to do that? How is it possible not to also confess when you believe in your heart? But here's the thing, it's one thing not to confess Christ as Lord when you don't believe in the resurrection. I mean, that's one thing. If you're here today and you don't confess Christ as Lord because you don't believe in the resurrection, that makes all the sense in the world, but you, you're probably asking, how is it possible to believe in your heart the reality of the resurrection and not confess it with your mouth and with your life? But it is possible, and we're gonna see today, I'm gonna look at a story of some guys that were eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. They were eyewitnesses, they saw it with their own eyes. These, these men saw Jesus came out of the grave and make no mistake, these men believed in their hearts the resurrection of Jesus. But because of their fear of what they would lose, they refused to confess Jesus as Lord. All right, even though they believed, even though they believed, they would not confess. And when they would not confess, they completely missed out on the salvation of Christ. Now I wanna show you this story, it's in Matthew chapter 27, verse 57. Let's look at these eyewitnesses of the resurrection. Now Jesus has died, 
He's passed away. He said, it is finished. And they're about to bury him in verse 57. Watch this. It says, when, he, when it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. And he went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. And Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. And the next day, that is, now listen to this, the next day, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive that after three days I will rise. And therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead and that last fraud will be worse than the first. And so Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers, go make it as secure as you can. And so they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard, right? So you've got the chief priests and the Pharisees and they hated Jesus, that's why they killed him. And they remembered that while Jesus was alive, Jesus said that he was going to die and three days later he was gonna rise again. And so while Jesus was dead, he came to Pilate and he said, or rather when, when, while Jesus was dead, they came to Pilate, that's the, the high priest and the Pharisees, and they said, hey, let's make sure that the disciples don't go steal his body, making sure everybody thinks that he's resurrected. Right, so let's put a guard there. And so the pilot says, yeah, that's what we're gonna do. Go and seal the stone and then let's place some Roman guards in front of the stone so that nobody steals the body of Jesus and nobody thinks he's actually resurrected. Now that's the situation. And this next section of verses describes everything that these Roman guards saw and experienced on that Easter Sunday morning. That's the situation. And we're gonna see what these Roman guards experienced as eyewitnesses to the resurrection, look at verse four in Matthew 28. First thing it says, and for fear of him, or rather also go back just a second in verse two, it says, behold, there was a great earthquake in verse two. And so these Roman guards, these eyewitnesses of the resurrection, they're just hanging out there. They're doing their job. They're probably wondering why in the world they have to guard the tomb of a dead man, and then all of a sudden the scripture says, behold, there was a great earthquake. That's the first thing that happens as these Roman guards were sitting there. There was an earthquake. Now most of us in the room are probably from Texas or live here in Texas, and so you probably don't uh, know a whole lot what it's like to live through an earthquake. I have lived through one, and they will get your attention when you live through them. And uh, I was in California, uh, several years ago, I was going to a conference with a friend of mine. I was young. I was probably 24, 25 years old, and we were poor, and we were going to this church conference out in California, being good Texas boys, and, and uh, we were um, in a motel room. Not a hotel room, but a motel room. Y'all know what those are. They have the room, and then you walk out, and there's the courtyard out there. And so we were, it was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and we were dead asleep. And then all of a sudden, true story, I'm laying there in bed, 3.30 in the morning, Texas boy, never experienced a, an earthquake in my entire life. And all of a sudden, my head started banging against the headboard, just like this. And so I'm laying there in bed, and my head just started hitting 
the headboard. Now, put yourself in my situation for just a second. It's 3.30 in the morning, I'm out. I'm dead to the world, and then all of a sudden my head is just banging against the headboard. And the first thing that went through my mind is, what in the world is going on? And so I'm groggy, and I'm waking up, and my, I keep getting slammed against the wall. And my friend, he's all groggy, and he's waking up, and he's getting slammed against the wall. And we're from Texas, right? We have no clue what's going on. And all of a sudden it hits us. We're in California. We're getting banged against the wall. We're in the middle of an earthquake, and so we're like, ah, we start screaming, and we don't know, what do we do? I don't know. And then my friend looks at me and says, let's get out of here. I'm like, okay. And so we jumped up, and we ran out the door. Now, the problem with that is we were in our underwear when we ran out the door, because we're from Texas. We don't know what we're supposed to do, and so we run out into the courtyard. True story, before Jesus, we're in our underwear. We run out in the courtyard. The, the, the water from the swimming pool is splashing out of the swimming pool. And there's these California guys, 3.30 in the morning, sitting on their truck, laughing their heads off at us. And they said, dudes, you guys are from California, are you? And we're like, no, we're from Texas. They're like, that's all right, bro. Go put your clothes on, man. You're going to be Okay. point to all this is I'm trying to get you to get in the shoes of these Roman guards when you live through an earthquake. That thing will wake you up. It will get your attention. And these guys didn't just go through any earthquake. The scripture says it was a great earthquake. Now, look at the next thing these guys saw. Verse 2, it says, and behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. In verse three it says, his appearance was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. And so guys, imagine that for a second. Put yourself in, those, in, in their shoes. These soldiers are just sitting there doing what they've been called to do, doing their job. This massive earthquake happens and the soldiers look up, if that were not scary enough, and the stone, which the scripture said earlier, was a great stone that they had sealed, by the way, has been rolled away. And if that were not enough, they look up at the stone and for crying out loud, there's an angel sitting on top of the stone. But this was not just any angel. The scripture says in verse 3 that his appearance was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. And so Matthew, he wrote this gospel. And he, he probably heard the description of what the angel looked like from the two Marys who were also there in the scene. And so obviously at some point in the writing of this gospel, he came to Mary and Mary and said, hey, what, what did the angel look like who told you that the stone had been rolled away and that Jesus wasn't there. And, and, the, and Mary Mary obviously looked at Matthew and said, hey, the best way to describe this guy is that he looked like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. And so these Roman soldiers, these eyewitnesses to the resurrection, they're just hanging out on a Sunday morning. Massive earthquake happens. Stone gets rolled away. They look up there and this dude that looks like lightning is sitting on top of the stone. Now, just in case you didn't think that got their attention, let me read this to you. In verse 2, it says, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. Look at verse 4. 
It says, for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. That's so funny to me. They experience this whole thing. They see all this thing happening, and the scripture says, this was their response. The scripture said, they just start trembling, and they're like, boom, we're out. And they lay down like dead men. And after all that, the angel begins to speak, and he looks at Mary and Mary, and he says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? For Jesus is not here. He is risen. And they go, and they look in the tomb. Jesus is gone. He's not there. If anybody, if anybody in the history of the world believed in the resurrection of Jesus, it was these men. If anybody believed in the resurrection of Jesus, it was these men who saw this occur with their own eyes. So here, here's the question, church. How would you expect them to respond to the resurrection of Jesus. How would you expect them to respond? They just saw proof that was beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. They saw proof beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. How would you expect them to respond? You would expect them, after seeing all that, you'd expect them to to run somewhere and start shouting from the top of their lungs, hey, y'all remember how this guy said he was gonna come back to life? We just saw it, this guy is alive. That's what you would expect them to do. You'd expect them to start shouting, and in the streets, there was a guy, he was dead. We saw him, we sealed the stone. Earthquake, angel, no guy, he's alive. But here's the thing they actually do go tell somebody. But I want you to watch what happens after they go and they tell the high priest about the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, church, to me this is one of the saddest verses in the whole Bible. Listen carefully, Matthew 28, verse 11. It says, while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. And so these Roman guards that saw the resurrection of Jesus with their own eyes, they did. They ran to the chief priest and they told him, they said, look, here's everything we just saw. This guy came out of the grave. Look at verse 12. It says, and when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they, that's chief priest, gave a a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people, tell people, this is what you tell people, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. And so, verse 15, so they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. This is one of the saddest stories in the entire Bible to me. Because these men, make no mistake, they believed in the resurrection of Jesus. Listen. But because they were afraid of what they were going to lose, even though they believed in the resurrection, 
they would not confess it with their lives. And because these men who believed in the resurrection would not confess it with their mouths and live it out with their lives, they missed the salvation of Jesus. Church, on this Easter Sunday morning, you need to know that it is absolutely possible for you and me to come into a place like this and believe the doctrine of the resurrection, but for fear of what we will lose, never display the reality of that resurrection with our mouths and with our lives. It's completely possible to do that. And so today I wanna ask you two questions. And as I ask you these questions, don't just hear a sermon, but evaluate your own heart. Answer the questions for yourself today. Here's the first question. Do you believe, do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? I'm not talking about us as a church. I'm not talking about your family in the past. I'm not talking about your wife, your children, or your husband. I'm talking about you. Do you believe in your heart the resurrection of Jesus Christ? I'm telling you, I do. I do. And as I was studying this week, there's something that hit me that I've never seen before in the scripture, I've never thought about before in the scripture, and, and that's always so true. The Bible is living and active, and I've been amazed at how many times over the years I read the same story, but see something I've never seen before, and this year it happened to me again. Here's the thing I've never thought about before. To me, the Great Commission, the Great Commission is proof that the resurrection actually happened. To me, the, the Great Commission is proof that the resurrection of Jesus Christ actually occurred because immediately following the story of these soldiers who believed the resurrection but that denied that it happened because of fear of what they would lose, the very next section of verses in the Bible, you see, we see a very much alive very much resurrected Jesus. He looks at his disciples, and do you remember what the resurrected Jesus said to his disciples? He said, boys, here's what I want you to do. He said, boys, I want you to take everything that you've heard, and I want you to take everything that you've seen, and I want you to go. I want you to go to the nations. Go to the nations and make disciples of every tribe and every tongue, teaching them to, to live everything out that I've commanded. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, boys, don't stay here. I'm alive. Boys, I want you to go. And you know what they did? They went. They went. The disciples went to the four corners of the earth to tell the world about a resurrected Christ. And I want you to listen to this. If Jesus Christ never came out of the grave, I'm telling you, if Jesus Christ never rose from the dead, those guys would have just gone back to the house. They would have gone back to the house. They would have gotten a job. They would have moved on with your lives. You don't leave everything and go to the nations for a guy who said he was going to rise from the grave but did not. You just don't do it. And think about this. You don't, you don't suffer. You don't suffer and, and you don't allow yourself to be tortured and you don't allow yourself to lose your life like the disciples did for a guy who said he would rise from the grave but didn't. You just don't let that happen. 
In Acts chapter five, it's one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. It's the story of the disciples after the resurrection. And they're doing what the disciples did after the resurrection. They went and told everybody about the truth of the resurrection. And they were out preaching and proclaiming that this guy came out of the grave. And, and the high priest, probably the same ones that, that told the Roman soldiers, hey, here's some cash. Don't tell anybody about what you saw. They were preaching. The high priest came to the disciples and they said, here's the thing, fellas, if you don't shut up. If you don't stop teaching that this guy came out of the ground, we are going to beat you within an inch of your life. And the disciples looked at the chief priest and they said, here's the thing, we cannot stop teaching and preaching and proclaiming what we have seen and what we have heard. And so if you gotta beat us, then you're gonna have to beat us because we're not gonna stop preaching. And so they walked out the door and they started proclaiming again the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I love this verse here. Listen, in, in Acts chapter five, verse 40, it says, and when they had called in the apostles, this is after they went back out preaching again, scripture says they beat them and charge them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Verse 41, the disciples, it says, then they left the presence of the council rejoicing, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day, and every day, in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Church, I'm telling you today, you don't, it just doesn't happen, you don't get beat up and walk away rejoicing and saying, I think it's awesome that I was counted as worthy to suffer for a guy that you know said he was gonna come out of the grave but did not, you just don't do it. And if that were not enough, the disciples got beat and tortured for this truth of the resurrection. We also know that 11 of the 12 of them gave up their lives, died horrible, violent deaths, because they wouldn't stop preaching. And the one that didn't die a horrible, violent death was exiled to the island of Patmos. Why? Why did they die these violent deaths? And the reason is because they would not deny the resurrection. You had James who was beheaded. James, the brother of John, the disciple, he was beheaded because he wouldn't deny the resurrection. You have Andrew, the brother of Peter, and this is an amazing story that we have from church history that Andrew was crucified because he would not deny the resurrection of Jesus. And this amazing story, they had his hands tied together and as he was walking to his cross, Andrew began to point at the cross with his bound hands and the Roman soldiers swatted his hands away and he immediately put his hands and began to point at the cross again and the Roman soldiers swatted his hands away and he put his hands back up and finally the Roman soldiers said, what are you doing? Why do you keep pointing at the cross? Don't you understand that you're about to die on that cross? And Andrew said, of course I'm about to die on that cross and I've been waiting for this moment my entire life because I'm about to see my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You don't do that. You don't do that for a guy who said he was coming out of the grave, but didn't. You got Andrew's brother, Peter. The church history tells us was crucified upside down. 
as he was walking to his cross, when he got to the cross, he asked permission. He said, I, he said can I be crucified upside down because I am not worthy to be crucified in the manner that my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was crucified? And so they did. They crucified him upside down and he died. I'm telling you, you don't do that. I promise you, you don't do that for a guy who didn't rise from the dead. To me, one of the greatest proofs that this thing really happened is the fulfilling of the Great Commission. (laughs) You and I, 2,000 years later, thousands of us are sitting in a basketball arena on an Easter Sunday morning in 2013 celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Why? Because the disciples went to the nations and were tortured and they died to tell the world about what they saw. Church, you don't do that for what you know is a lie. So I'll ask you again, do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Just go ahead and get to the bottom of that in your own heart right here and right now. Do you believe in the resurrection of Christ? I'm telling you, I believe with all of my heart that as we live and as we breathe and as we are here, Jesus Christ is alive. He's alive. And that leads us to another question today. If that's true, and I believe that all of my heart that it is that Jesus Christ is alive. I want to finish today by asking you another question. Believer, in light of that truth, how are you going to respond to the truth of the resurrection? How are you going to respond to the truth of the resurrection? I want to remind you a statement that I began this sermon with, that the resurrection of Christ from the grave, Jesus Christ coming back to life, conquering death is not simply a doctrine, a theology that is to be believed, but it is a reality that is to be confessed and lived out through our everyday lives. And so what I would ask you, You've got these two responses. You've got these two responses to the, to the evidence of the, uh, the resurrection. You've got this one group of men who was not willing to confess because of what they would lose. But you've got this other group of men so they could confess were willing to lose everything. Which one of those more reflects a picture of your faith? The Roman soldiers walked away from all of it because of what they were going to lose. The disciples walked away from everything so that they could proclaim the truth. That's the choice. That's the tension of the choice. It's what Jesus was referring to, this choice between simply believing in something and actually giving your life away for something, actually displaying it through your life. That that, that tension of that choice is what Jesus was talking about. In Mark chapter eight, verse 35, read this. Jesus says, for whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospel will save it. Which one of those pictures more reflects your faith? You know, and I thought about ending the sermon today by telling you a story about some great theologian in history, some great missionary, somebody that 
that left everything, walked away from everything in the past and started some great missionary movement, but I decided that I would just tell you a story about somebody that's in this room right now. It's a family that's in our church right now. He's a doctor. His wife also has a successful and lucrative job. They have an infant daughter. And these are folks that have put in decades of education, hundreds, invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in his job to become a doctor. And in a few months, they're gonna leave the comfort of this country. They're gonna leave the comfort of Austin, Texas. And they're gonna take their daughter and they're gonna go to the nations. They're going to Southern Asia. They're, they're walking away from this, their lucrative jobs and right in the middle of, of the prime years of their earning potential. And you ask yourself the question, who would do that? Why would somebody do that? Why would you walk away from that job, that position, the comfort of this country, the thing that all of us in the world are warring to own, they've got it. Why in the world would you walk away from it? And church, here is the truth today. That if a resurrection never happened, those people are fools. If the resurrection never occurred, those people are to be pitied above all men. That's what the Bible says. Paul makes the statement, he says, Christians, if the resurrection never happened, you and I are to be pitied above all men. But if the resurrection is true, if Jesus Christ really died and really walked out of that grave, then all in the world this sweet family is doing is giving up what they cannot keep to gain what they cannot lose. How are you going to respond to the truth of the resurrection today? I know not all of us are called to leave this country or to go be a missionary in some country, but I believe this with all my heart based on Romans, that every believer in this room ought to have that same heart and that same prayer today. God, I'm not just going to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but Lord, by your power, I'm going to confess it with my mouth and with my life. Church, how are you going to respond to the greatest truth in history? Let's pray together today. I want to invite you this morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. On this Easter Sunday morning, first, as your heads are bowed, I just want to invite you, if you've never trusted in the completed work of Christ, on the cross for your salvation. I want to invite you to do that today. And the best way that you know how, if you feel the Spirit tugging you to be a follower of Christ, if you feel His call pointing you to Jesus, you just simply say this, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've fallen short of your glory. And I want to trust in what you did on the cross to pay for my sin so that I might become the righteousness of God. You just pray that prayer in the quietness of your heart today.
those of you in this room that are believers, it would be a shame for us to walk out of this room and just go back to the normal status quo, everyday pursuit of our lives without answering this question. How am I gonna respond to the resurrection? Am I simply just gonna believe it? Or am I gonna display it? Take just a second and ask the Lord what it's gonna look like for you to confess the resurrection with your mouth and with your life. Ask him to give you the strength today. Maybe you've been running from God. He loves you. He accepts you. Your sins are forgiven. Come to him. Ask him to change you. You would experience the power of the resurrection. Jesus it's awesome to me that we're in this room 2,000 years after this event and still we sing and we proclaim the truth that you walked out of the grave Lord we believe with all of our hearts that you did this we believe with all of our hearts Jesus that you are alive and so Father as a church we want to ask you that we would not just be believers but Father by your spirit by your strength we would be displayers of the truth of the resurrection and this city, and this city and this nation would never be the same because we displayed the gospel of Jesus with our lives. We ask that you would do this in Jesus' name. Amen.